0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Hangout the Holy Land flagship podcast. I'm your host, Gene Ross, joined as always by Josh Julie. Um, usually we wait a little bit, Josh, before we record these. This one we're recording pretty much right after Ohio State's 21-7 to win over Northwestern. And uh, like, like Josh kind of talked to me before the podcast, this is kind of just going to be a way for us to talk through our feelings, Josh. This was uh, not exactly what we expected from the Buckeyes this week. They did win the game. They, they move on to 9-0, and so that's really all you could ask at the end of the day. But um, the way that they got there was certainly not what we expected.
1: Nothing pretty about this one, Gene. Um, frustrating from uh, a million different views. I think the only one who can probably be happy with this performance is Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, I'm guessing he gets about an eight-year contract extension for keeping it within two scores and not getting embarrassed. But Ohio State should be a, a little embarrassed, I think, in my opinion. Um, but I'm going to try not to overreact because I'm the king. And uh, I'm going to try and keep this in perspective, but yeah, just a, a weird performance, a frustrating performance. And I- I'm ready to just go back and forth here. Let's talk through our pain a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, while Josh isn't going to overreact, I am a little bit just because now this is the, really the third straight week we've seen Ohio State fail to be able to run the ball with any sort of consistency. The the final stats don't really reflect just how bad it was, because if you look at the, the final box score here, you see Ohio State overall ran the ball 35 times for 207 yards and three touchdowns, 5.9 yards per carry. You look at that and think, oh wow, it was a good day for Ohio State running the football. But really... Outside of a couple big runs here, including what we'll get to in a little bit, a couple a, a big run here from C.J. Stroud late in the game, it was it was pretty dismal. There was a, a long touchdown around twenty-seven yards, by Myan Williams as well, to, to kind of up those averages. But without those two long runs, it was a really bad day for Ohio State on the ground. And really, the, the run game has been. Uh, you know, been on a steady regression ever since that Iowa game. They struggled in that game. They were even worse against Penn State. And then, you know, this game, while the final stats don't indicated, it was once again a slog running the football. And obviously we do have to mention that the weather conditions were not optimal. But still, I, I know I, we're going to talk about that when it comes to the passing game. But in the run game, I know that Northwestern knew that Ohio State was going to try to run the football, especially with how the weather was looking, like 30, 40-mile-per-hour wind gusts, a little bit of rain. It was very obvious that Ohio State was going to try to run the football, and as a result, there were some seven- and eight-man boxes from Northwestern. But just once again, not a ton of creativity in that run game, really not really good blocking by the offensive line, pretty much no part of the run game was was working well. Nothing could get going. It was another game there without Travion Henderson. It seems like every other week, one of the two starting running backs is out. That's another issue in itself, but just a really poor day for Ohio State on offense across the board. And most of that stemmed from the inability to run the football with any sort of consistency.
1: And this is where I think Ryan Day is looking for answers. I know people are going to pile on his play calling, and I'm not going to sit here and you know, tell you that he's been Andy Reid in and the Kansas City Chiefs the last couple of weeks. but I, I think he's searching for answers. I think that he is probably a little bit confused as to why this offensive line that we thought were world beaters for roughly half a season have struggled to open holes, struggled to, you know, get to the second level and move the line, push the line for their running backs. it's it's definitely troubling because, I I don't know how much it's going to matter next week against Indiana. Um, Not sure how much it's going to matter against Maryland. But then when you really look at it, it it might because Northwestern has not been good at stopping the run. This uh, Northwestern defense has typically been good in the past, but we talked on our preview pod. They've struggled the last couple of years. I think they're giving up nearly 200 yards per game on the ground this year. And Ohio State just wasn't able to get it done. They have – All the talent uh, across the front line, they've got the size. They've got everything that you could ask for on paper. But on the field, they have not been getting it done. And I was willing to excuse it against Iowa. Iowa is still metrically, uh, well, as far as the metrics go. I don't know if metrically is a word, sorry. But um, they're still one of the top defenses in the country. Penn State, you know, sort of middle of the pack, but I give them credit and they were playing at home. So I was like, okay, two weeks in a row, we'll get this thing right. Today was the day to do so, especially with the wind. You knew what the game plan was probably going to be, and they were running up against brick walls. I thought that Mayan Williams looked a little slow. Not unhealthy, but a a little slow in my opinion. I, I don't know that Travion Henderson would have been any better or done anything else, but that is the one most troubling aspect of this game for me is Ohio State's ability to run the ball moving forward,
0: yeah. And you would think in a game like this where obviously the high winds aren't going to allow you to pass the ball downfield with any sort of, you know consistency. We'll talk about the passing game in a little bit. But I- I'm just still confused this year. We've talked about it a few times now how Ohio State is just not involving the running backs at all in the passing game. We haven't seen really any, like, designed plays to the running backs. There's been a couple of checkdowns here and there that haven't gone for much, but, you know, we saw last year in the first game of the season, Traven Henderson take a take a screen pass to the house. He caught some other long passes later on in the year as well, and we just haven't seen anything like that since. And I understand Henderson is the better pass catcher of the two backs that start, and he, he wasn't available in this game, but... Myron Williams is certainly capable of catching a football and making a few yards out of it because they, you know, they've, they've tried a couple of times to, to run some stretch plays, run some pitch plays with him, and he hasn't done a, a great job of getting outside. But if you could get him the ball already in space outside, he can make some moves and break a couple tackles and maybe make a play from it. So I'm surprised, especially in a game with the conditions like this, that we didn't see more of that. You know, This would have been the week to run more of those bubble screens that we saw last week against Penn State. They didn't really look to use any of those say either. I that, Gene. This yeah. would
1: have been the week.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. I really. It doesn't really make much sense. The I. I, I don't know. You know, I'm not as up in arms about the play calling in this one because I think at the end of the day, like, it, it was like the things that they were trying to do were correct. Ohio State was trying to run the football, it just wasn't working. Um, and, you know, Stroud was off. We'll, well, the guy keeps saying we're going to get to it, but we're going to get to it. Um, but it just wasn't a, a good day. And I'm also surprised that I know I know Trey was out, but we didn't see any of the other running backs get carries in this game. You know, Mekai Buka had two carries on, like, end arounds, but we didn't see any of Dallin Hayden. We didn't see any of Chip Trainham, who's now moved fully to running back. And you would think in a game where you're already playing with a Banged up, Mayan Williams. That you'd at least see one of those guys, maybe as a, as a change of pace sort of back. Both of those guys are a little thinner, probably a little quicker than a guy like Mayan Williams. Maybe they could have done some stuff on the outside with uh, Northwestern looking to stack the box. So I just feel like they were, you know, I, I'm not blaming the play calling this one. I don't think it was it was great, but I don't think it was certainly as bad as it was against Penn State. I just think that the running game wasn't working and they really weren't trying much of anything different to to fix it really until the second half when Stroud started running and that opened it up a little bit more, but in games like this where the other team knows what you're trying to do, you have to do at least a couple of things here and there to break tendencies, make the other team think about what they're doing. And Ohio State just didn't do that at all, especially in the first half. There was no trickery out of the backfield. There was no, like I said, a running back pass, a screen pass, even like, you know, just just different sorts of plays. We saw like a counter later in this game that Ohio State hasn't really ran a bunch, but like just none of that early on, no creativity in that run game, which made things just even harder because I didn't think the offensive line played particularly well. But, I, you know, I, no, it, nobody was being helped out by the fact that they were kind of just staying really vanilla in the run game and it just it wasn't working and we just kept banging our heads against the wall and, and running for like two yards a carry
1: it was certainly vanilla and you mentioned the counter play that's why i spoke up um and, and acknowledged it i would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that just really any indirection uh, or misdirection i'm sorry a mecha yeah he had the two carries for 21 yards i wouldn't have been upset with five or six carries from him try something different when a and b are not working go to go behind door number 3 go to option c whatever it is i'm with you i think that we were fortunate we saw some of the c cj J. stroud quarterback run which you know i i don't know that they necessarily wanted to go to it if they didn't have to it was sort of a break glass in case of emergency sort of deal and it worked it, it got them the victory and I think that's something that they can at least have in their back pocket moving forward. But yeah, not a lot of creativity there. But again, I go back to Ryan Day and looking for answers. I, I think he's confused. I think we're all confused why we, you know, Paris Johnson Jr., DeWan Jones, Donovan Jackson, who was, you know, gosh, world beaters earlier in the earlier in the season, they just haven't been playing as well. And I hope though that a couple of weeks of this really forces them to go back to the drawing board and reevaluate, you know, even as coaches, Ohio state probably thought that they were going in, going to go into this game and roll. So maybe they didn't have the create, the creative plays called planned, ready to go. But this should force them to reevaluate and say, hey, this has been three weeks in a row now. We can excuse the Iowa performance and maybe Penn State, but we couldn't run the ball against Northwestern. So by default, I think that it's going to be on Justin Fry. I think it's going to be on Ryan Day and it's going to be on the guys up front. And some of it's on the running backs, too. You know, I thought Mayan missed a couple of holes. Um, Overall, I don't think you can blame him a whole lot. Again, I thought he looked fairly slow out there let's blame it on the grass maybe there in Evanston but I think the the overall theme is confusion right now it's we're confused I think Ryan Day is confused and I think that the team is confused so they need to get get it figured out I think they need to spend a a lot of time in film study and in their own playbook looking for things that are going to work moving forward
0: yeah, and like I said, you know, it wouldn't be all that hard to, I think, fix this run game. You just have to throw a couple of tendency breakers in there. You know, I I we talk about the CJ Stroud runs in this game, six carries for seventy nine yards. He also had the forty four yard rush. By far a career high running day for him. You know, even with the forty eight yard touchdown run against Michigan State in his debut, he came into the game with only twenty four career rushing yards on fifty two carries. So far and away the, the biggest running game he's had at Ohio State. And even just doing that outside of the, the yards he picked up by himself, it did change Ohio State's run game. You saw on one of the run the the long touchdown run by Mayan Williams that safety on sort of that option like giveaway the safety did have to at least take one extra breath to at least think about Stroud yep. potentially yep. taking it, and that opened up the lane for Mayan to get the touchdown. So outside of just the, the yards he was able to pick up on his own, that did at least make the defense think a little bit about that run game, and just doing little things here and there like that can change Ohio State's run game in a big way. I think if Stroud does, you know, I don't want to go back to the, the days of asking for Stroud to run more because I don't think he really has to for this Ohio State offense to work, but just, you know, him taking the ball on some of those option plays two or three times a game I think is enough enough to open up the running game at least a little bit. And then, yeah, the, the blocking has to be better. The play design has to be a little bit better. It would be helpful to have, you know, two healthy running backs, maybe one of these weeks. Um, but but nonetheless, I don't think it would be all that difficult to, to fix Ohio State's offense with the run game specifically because they just have so much talent. I just feel like they're not using it to, the, to its fullest ability.
1: You mentioned having two guys healthy. I think that would be a godsend for this team. And who knows if we'll ever see it. I Neither one of us knows the extent of Trayvon Henderson's injury or health or whatever it is, but they haven't had both options readily available for most of the season. I think that that would help the Buckeyes out quite a bit, especially if you put both of them on the field at the same time. You can force the defense to think, force the defense to choose or focus on one guy or the other. And when Mayan Williams is in the backfield, How do I want to say this? I I think both of Ohio State's running backs are wildly talented, but I would say that Mayan Williams is more of the traditional um, sort of one gap downhill off guard, off tackle kind of guy. Whereas Travion Henderson, you know, you, you can argue or not is more of the explosive home run hitter. In my opinion, if he gets daylight, if he can find the hole and stick with it and commit to it. So, Yes, it would be nice to have both of those guys, but I'm guessing that Ohio State did not decide Travion Henderson was out on Friday morning or, or on Friday night or Saturday morning. I, I'm guessing that they knew it was a possibility, so they really needed to kind of focus in on what Mayan Williams does well and what he can do in conjunction with this offensive line. And it, it just didn't happen. I feel like we're we're beating a dead horse here, but for Valid reasons, right? Like we thought that we had two of the better backs in the Big Ten, maybe in the country after what we saw from Mayan Williams early when he was in the sort of starring role. And now I I don't know that there's a lead back and I don't know how much it matters until they figure out some of the schematic things with uh, play calling and, you know, in blocking.
0: Yeah, I was going to say on the blocking front, I'm glad you brought that up. Ohio State simply needs more on the outside blocking from its wide receivers as well. In addition to Cade Stover, you know, Cade Stover has seemed to either make, you know, a block that single-handedly springs a touchdown or just whiffs, and it's been nothing in between. And it's been a lot much more of the the latter these last couple of weeks. Um, They've gotten pretty much nothing blocking from the wide receivers thus far. You know, it's the big reason why none of those wide receiver screens have worked. It's just the guys in front are not blocking well. Like Buka hasn't blocked well. Harrison hasn't blocked well. Pretty much none of the wide receivers have blocked with any, you know, meaningful, uh, any meaningful way so far. So running to the outside, Outside just isn't working because there's nobody out there to block. I wouldn't, you know, maybe throw in a guy like Mitch Rossi out there more, having the fullback, even like a two, you know, if both guys are ever healthy, having two running backs on the field, having one in as a blocker, or just providing, like you said, some sort of misdirection to help out the running game. It just needs to be more creative. You're clearly not. This Ohio State team, as is you know, as much as they like to hype it up, just doesn't look tough enough right now to simply you know when Everyone knows they're going to run up the middle. They're not able to do it. They are they are being too predictable, and they are not strong enough to be that predictable and also still pick up yards. When teams know they are running it, they are able to stop it, and they are just you know even though they have more talent than the other side, they're just not scheming it up well, and they're clearly not you know tough enough at this current juncture to to win those one on one battles when everyone knows what you're doing.
1: Yeah, and I think that. We saw Ohio State run the ball a little bit better later in the game, and we saw that against Penn State as well. But you can't always wait until the second half to be effective on the ground. Like you have to do it from the jump, especially against some of these other teams who can play well against the run or who can match you from an offensive perspective. So they definitely need to get it figured out. Maybe even look at these second halves and and figure out what has worked, what has gone well, but, They really needed to lean on the ground game, and it's evident that Ryan Day either wasn't confident in it pretty early on, right? Like, they were throwing the ball much more than I thought they would uh, out of necessity, really. Um, They have to figure something out that works in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third, and the fourth. You can't wait until the second half when you have physically sort of beaten up the opposition because you're not going to be able to do that Against Michigan, let let's let's call it what it is. You know, if you can't run the ball against Michigan, they're not the same explosive offense. But I think they can match Ohio State with points, especially if Stroud is struggling or somebody's down in the passing game. So they have to find balance. I am at least, you know, somewhat, I guess, pleased with the fact that they were try like Ryan Day knows they need to have balance too, and. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to figure out, Gene. I'm trying to wrap my head around it because I'll be honest. I thought that even with the inclement weather, I thought Ohio State was going to run the ball down their throats. I really did. I thought Mayan Williams could be looking at $1.50, $200 on the ground. I know we're going to see one eleven on the stat sheet, but that was not a, a good, clean, 100-yard rushing game from Chop back there.
0: No, for sure not. And I, I think it, you know, it comes back to what we talked to about last week after the Penn State game. This Ohio State team has to be able to, to throw the football to set up the run. And, you know, to Ryan Day's credit, he did try to do that in this game, but it just wasn't happening. The weather wasn't allowing it. Um, and I, I think, on top of the weather, just a, a poor performance across the board from pretty much everyone involved in the passing game. CJ Stroud had his struggles. I wouldn't put it all on his his plate, though, because the wide receivers outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. did not play well at all in this football game. And, you know, CJ Stroud. You look at his final stats here, probably if, well, I mean, I would say almost definitely his worst passing performance as Ohio State starting quarterback, 10 of 26, 76 yards. Maybe since middle
1: school, Gene, like 10 for 26, goodness.
0: Only 76 yards passing is a, is a tough look for CJ Shout. It's it's a, it's a tough look on his Heisman candidacy as well. But, you know, looking at the, the wide receiver numbers here, Marvin Harrison Jr. Had five catches for 51 yards on eight targets. So he caught five balls on eight of his targets. The rest of the wide receivers combined, um, including Cade Stover here, 17, targets, only five catches. And while a couple of those balls were, you know, there there was a handful of those that weren't really near the receiver as a result of wind or just a bad throw by Stroud, but there were more than a few balls in this game that were just straight up dropped. You know, Emeka Ibuka had a, a walk-in touchdown that he dropped, a couple of drops there by Stover, a, a handful of drops from Fleming. Just a really bad game across the board for this Ohio State passing offense, both in terms of, you know, having to go against a tough weather environment, but also just the players involved not Playing at their highest. And maybe they just like we, you know, we kind of alluded to it at the end of our our preview podcast. You do kind of get some of those sleepwalk games at 11 a.m. in Evanston, Illinois, especially when the weather is like this. But those guys just clearly did not come to play in this game.
1: 1000%. Those guys did not play well. And I'm not too concerned in the grand scheme of things because really outside of today, Drops have not been an issue. If I mean, if anything, it's been the opposite, right? Guys have been uh, you know, very shorthanded. Cade Stover in particular, has come up with some grabs that shocked me um, throughout the year. Julian Fleming has been shorthanded a Mecha maybe a concentration drop here or there. Yeah, uh, across the board, those guys did not play well. And when you when you know that Marvin Harrison is the only one who really came to play or was playing at a high level, he had eight targets. He should probably should have had about sixteen. And
0: I don't know if he had any in the first half. I don't I don't know if they started throwing to him until the second half.
1: It was definitely slow going and I find I found myself saying, Why do they keep trying the the shots downfield? Whether they had the wind at their backs or not. We saw last week, we've seen it in the past. If you put Marvin Harrison Jr. on a slant across the middle of the field, Nobody in the country can stop him. Joey Porter Jr., who's a 6'3 cornerback, one of the best in the country. Granted, he wasn't lined up on Marvin Harrison Jr. every single time last week, but nobody can stop 6'3, 6'4, 215, 220 pound Marvin Harrison Jr. across the middle. It's just not being done. It hasn't been done by any DBs that Ohio State has played throughout the year. And that's the one thing that. Wind shouldn't really affect those shorter throws, right? We saw it wreak havoc with the ones downfield. So I am very surprised. And the one thing that I was disappointed with, uh, you know, when it came to play calling is, yes, the lack of creativity in the run game, but also in the passing game, take what's there. Take what you know will work. You don't have to be cute. C.J. Stroud is not going to win or lose the Heisman against Northwestern. Now, is he taking a backseat after day? Yeah, probably. But I don't think he cares. I don't think Ryan Day cares. Just go with what you know is going to work. Take the safe plays from time to time. I think there were safe plays on the field today, and they didn't take advantage of them. You know, if you're able to get Marvin Harrison Jr. going across the middle, even a Mecca Igbuka and Julian Fleming, those guys can do things with the ball in their hands. They can do things in space, and they didn't give those guys an opportunity. It was sideline, a couple short ones, a couple comebackers to Marvin Harrison Jr., but it's not like Northwestern's DBs um, you know, are world beaters. I think they played pretty well today, though, so give credit to them. The linebackers in the middle of the field, Gallagher and Mueller, tackling machines, but they're not great in coverage, so... That was the one thing that really disappointed me, maybe more so than anything else, is they didn't take advantage of the easy plays. They didn't even really dial them up.
0: Yeah, and we've kind of seen like all year Ohio State's gotten pretty much free yardage anytime they run those quick out routes, you know, seven to 10 yards on on any given play. And Marvin Harrison Jr. has obviously been, you know, a a benefactor of of those for the most part. So has Mekka Buka, so has Julian Fleming. All those guys have done that really well this season. And we just didn't see, like you said, that wasn't really drawn up in this game. They didn't really try to run that. There was, you know, on top of the drops and the bad throws, there was also a couple of of miscommunications in this game. There was that, that throw late in the game where um, had Marvin Harrison Jr. cut to the outside, it probably would have been at least, you know, 15, 20 yards, but instead he cut inside and CJ kind of threw the ball to nobody on the sideline just a a weird game overall from the passing game and I don't really know if it comes down to just unpreparedness if it comes down to guys not you know getting up for a game against Northwestern if it comes down to just you know purely the weather conditions I think all of it plays a factor but at the end of the day you know a 21 to 7 win is not what they thought they would have coming into this game and of course you know you look at CJ Stroud's final numbers and that's just not the type of game you'd expect from your Heisman caliber quarterback and it wasn't you know, it's it's not like... Like you said, Northwestern's defensive backs played well, but I don't think they really forced many of those incompletions. A lot of it was just throws that were off the mark or dropped. It wasn't like guys were batting balls down. It wasn't like he threw a ton of balls that could have been intercepted. I don't think there was really any pass in this game that could have been picked off or, or really knocked away by a defensive back. It was mostly just drops and bad throws. So a, a weird game overall from the passing offense. I'm sure this is one that Stroud's going to want to throw out the game film for, but they're certainly... They, they have to be better moving forward. They can't afford to, to play like this against a better team that could probably score some points.
1: Yeah, and I know you want to get to the Ohio State defense. Before we do, though, with what we saw today, do you have any concerns about the Ohio State passing game moving forward? Or are you, like C.J. Stroud, wanting to just throw this the game film out the window and move on?
0: I mean you certainly can't like I mean you're going to have to look at it and see what went wrong to to prevent it in the future you know you can't let something like I said you can't let something like this happen uh, against a better football team if you come out and you have an offensive performance like this against a team like Maryland that can put up some points you're going to have a tough time so I just I I think they're gonna have to learn from this game. Hopefully they don't face, you know, weather conditions like this again this year, but they're certainly gonna have to learn from this game moving forward and they can't just, you know, throw it out for bad weather. I know that they're probably gonna I haven't listened to anything Ryan Day said post game. I'm sure they're gonna blame a lot of this on the weather, but I, I think that's kind of the lazy way out of this. I think Ohio State came into this game unprepared. Um, even you know, they, they knew the weather report coming to this game. We saw all week that this is gonna be a crappy game. They knew, you know, with the, the broadcast had said that Treyman Henderson's injury came up in the fourth quarter of last week's game, so they probably knew he was out all week as well. So there's really nothing they could, like, they could use an excuse here. Nothing happened, like, just ahead of this game that kind of caught them off guard. It's not like they lost somebody really important right ahead of kickoff. They knew the guys that were going to be out were going to be out. They knew the weather was going to be what it was going to be, and I think they just kind of came into this game thinking they were going to, you know, out-talent Northwestern, and that is kind of the re- the only reason that they won this football game. I don't think they really did much positive to really win this game outside of just being singularly, handily more talent, but... Yeah, I I think they're going to have to look at this film and kind of break it down and figure out what went wrong. Because I'm sure that teams like you know Maryland and especially Michigan are going to look back at this game film and try to figure out what Northwestern did to slow down this Ohio State offense. I think you now have three straight weeks of offensive regression here at Ohio State. That that is is certainly I I think worrisome. I don't think that you know it's it's uh, anything that's that's carried over from game to game. I I know the run game has been suspect at best, but. I think it's been three games in a row here on a steady downward like decline for this Ohio State offense, and I don't know what the main reason for that is, but it's definitely something they're going to have to figure out, and I know they have a couple of games here to do that before Michigan, but you can't keep... Putting up these these kind of you know duds on offense like they've been doing the past couple weeks the the J2 Malow bailed them out against Penn State um, Northwestern really not having anything resembling an offense in this game bailed them out here but I I just I, I need to start seeing Ohio State look more like the world beaters that we saw earlier in the year rather than what they've looked like the past few weeks because even though they've won you know every game here by double digits at the end of the day it sounds like we're being kind of jaded you know saying Ohio State's not good enough but it is at the end of the day You're, everything that Ohio State has done this year is in preparation for that Michigan game that's what this has all come down to and the team that Ohio State put on the field today would not be Michigan at the end of the year
1: gosh that that sucks to hear and it sucks to admit that I don't disagree with you um I I couldn't put a line on it right now but as far as the Ohio State offense goes I'm with you I I think the regression though goes hand in hand with the inability to run the ball CJ Stroud if you look at the numbers against Iowa and Penn State he was efficient Um, you know, he, he was getting, he was finding a way to get the ball into the end zone when it mattered. And really they put up a ton of points against an Iowa defense. I'm going to keep hanging my hat on that performance. Even we, even though we know what Iowa is not, we know that they have a really stout defense and they looked really, Ohio state looked really good against them. Uh, they looked much better in the second half against Penn state. And I'm clearly not willing to throw out the first eight games of the year, um, so, yeah, I, I'm not concerned, but I, I would like to be put at ease with a big performance, a, a good, clean, balanced performance from this Ohio State offense. That's what they need to find, because I don't think you can always put it on C.J. Stroud's shoulders as much as, the, or, you know, as good as that right one is. Um, he needs help because every quarterback needs help, right? There's not a quarterback in the country who can beat Um, you know most opponents single handedly with one arm you know proverbially tied behind his back so it's about balance for me I'm not concerned with CJ Stroud and the wide receivers the the drops are what they are but we hadn't seen them earlier in the year they just need to shake it off and I think they can do that
0: you know you talk about balance in a football game I think Ohio State's Defense really these past two weeks has has propped up its offense more than they needed to. Um, obviously, only allowing seven points is another good performance for them. But I think overall, you know, they did allow a little over two hundred rushing yards, but but Northwestern pretty much only ran the ball the entire game. Um, and I think Ohio State kind of got better and better as the game wore on. Um, but I, I thought overall this Ohio State defense played well. I, I I do still think that Ohio State's cornerbacks are an issue. Um, you know, Northwestern didn't really test them at all in this game, but on the times that they did throw a couple of passes, I just, I really didn't love what I saw from the cornerbacks. You know, Denzel Burke was fine, but I've, I, I think JK Johnson has really, really struggled in coverage so far this year. We saw him kind of get replaced later in the game by Jair Brown. I'm still waiting to see, you know, more from Jordan Hancock. It sounded like we were going to see more of him. I still haven't seen it on the field. Um, up front, I think Ohio State is continuing to rotate too much along the defensive line. There were far too many, you know, plays in this game where it was a it was a big down for Ohio State, either a big third and long or a fourth down, whatever it was. And, and you know, a guy like JT Tumaloa wasn't on the field for those snaps. I, I don't think you could continue to, to see that happen against, one, once again, better football teams. Um, and also, you know, something I noticed in this game, Mike Hall, where was he? It's just like they don't... I feel like they don't <laughs> play Mike Hall enough. Like I I don't I, I had asked in our Slack if he had played and someone said yeah, but and he only he only registered one tackle in this game and I don't really recall seeing him on the field. I remember seeing pretty much all the other defensive linemen. Uh, you know, I, I thought the defensive tackles overall played well. I thought Teron Vincent had a had a very good game. He didn't really put up a ton of stats, but he was noticeable in the run stopping department. Same with Zach Harrison, same with you know, of course, JT Tumulow um, but the other guys, you know, I ha- didn't see a ton from Jack Sawyer. I didn't see a ton of, of Mike Hall on the field. Um, Tyleek Williams was there sparingly, but I don't know. I just, I have I have an issue with the defensive line rotations. I have an issue with the cornerback play, um, but once again, I thought the linebackers were really good. Tommy Eichen, uh, Eichenberg, once again, double digits, uh, tackles with 13. He had a tackle for loss in this game. Another good game for Steel Chambers, eight tackles with a tackle for loss as well. Um, Ronnie Hickman, I thought, looked really good at the safety spot in this game. Lathan Ransom as well. So those two positions continue to be really dominant for Ohio State. The linebackers and safeties have looked good all year. Uh, the defensive line's been sort of hit or miss. This was kind of a weird game for them because it wasn't really one where he had a chance to get after the quarterback a ton um, because of all the running. But I thought overall they played well. It really was just the corners that continue to give me a little bit of worry. Um, I don't know if they'll really be tested in another game this year other than Maryland, because like we said, you know, Michigan is more of a, a running team and, and Maryland's really the only team here that like throws the ball pretty much as much as Ohio State on their schedule left until maybe a playoff if they make it there. But Yeah, I think overall a a decent performance from the defense. I think this is one of the games where last year with the way Ohio State defended the run, this is certainly a game that they could have lost. Um, It was very reminiscent of, like, the Oregon game early on where they were just kind of running to the boundary and getting whatever they wanted, but they they cleaned that up later in the game. They started holding Northwestern. They had a couple of big stops on third and shorts and fourth and shorts that we wouldn't have seen last year. So I think overall a promising performance for the defense. No really big plays in this game. There were no turnovers by either side, which is kind of surprising in a game with the weather that we saw – but I think, yeah, there there's there's a lot of positives behind this defense. There's still some things that are concerning now that we're nine games into the year, but overall I think it was, you know, a good performance. You let up seven points. Yeah, you can't ask for much more.
1: I agree with a lot of what you said, and I'm not going to take issue with your issues. I, I agree with pretty much all of it. I, I think that Ohio State's cornerbacks are are probably the weakest part of the team right now in, in general. Uh, especially the defense, and I I think in two weeks they will really be tested against Maryland, but did what they needed to do today, Uh, didn't give up any big plays, no broken plays, nothing of that sort, so um, can't ask a whole lot more outside of just not making plays in general, but up front, Gosh, I love these Ohio State linebackers. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg with 13 tackles. I don't have Steel Chambers' numbers right up in front of me right now. Uh, The defensive line played well. I thought that they got off to the quarterback a couple of times and just missed out on a couple of sacks. They probably had three or four near sacks that really could have Changed the trajectory of this game had they been able to get Northwestern off the field sooner, quicker, uh, not giving up some third downs, especially the late one that Sullivan had before what I assume is a concussion where he scrambled. Things like that are going to happen from time to time. So I, I think Jim Knowles' defense is a structurally sound, disciplined defense for the most part, although the cornerbacks could use some work. As far as the rotations go, yeah, it's it seems like they want to use Mike Hall as some sort of pass-rushing defensive tackle specialist, and I'm with you. I think that he should be out there for most, if not all, of the game. And The same goes for JT2 and Malau. Early, early in the year, I think that we knew he was good, right? But he seemed... He himself seemed like more of a maybe a run-stopping specialist. He couldn't quite get to the quarterback. Seems like he got over that hump. And then he was at least present a couple times today. But they took him off the field on third down. I think that's when he has progressed and improved a great deal. He's no longer a run-stuffing defensive tackle. I think he is, is just very balanced across the board. Um, one of the up and comers in this conference and maybe in the country, especially after last week, I think he's starting to put it all together. So I'm with you. I would have liked to have seen him out there because I look at some of the other options. Uh, Javante John Baptiste played a couple of snaps. He's not giving you a ton. He's more of that athletic um, on the perimeter guy, Jack Sawyer. I know he's playing the Jack position, but I'm lumping him in with that defensive line. Hasn't given you a whole lot this year. So You want to keep guys healthy. You want to keep guys, you know, prevent them from getting winded, maybe giving up a big play. But at some point, you have to lean on them, much like you should maybe lean on the slants, lean on Marvin Harrison Jr. a little bit. I think you can do that on the other side of the ball. So um, as far as the numbers go, yes, it says 200 yards rushing. Uh, For Northwestern, but on 59 carries like they had to work for it and they had a couple runs 10, 12, 15 yards, something like that. But for the most part, I think that they kept Evan Hall in check. The one thing that really frustrated me, though, with the defense is when Northwestern went to that Wildcat. No pun intended. They are the Wildcats. But when they went to that formation, I wanted 8, 9, 10, throw all 11 guys in the box. I don't care because Northwestern was not going to take shots downfield. If they want to call a jump pass or something with Cam Porter and it beats you, live with it. So be it. I don't think they were aggressive enough, but it's hard to really sort of blast them when they only gave up seven points, right?
0: Yeah, I think like we've seen pretty much all year from this Jim Knowles defense, they're they they want to be Ben don't break. They're they're willing to let up some yards as long as the end result is, is a punt or a turnover at some point. So I don't think they they care about letting up, you know, three, four yards here and there. But it was kind of you know, Northwestern went to that Wildcat and, and their play call was either run left or run right. There was no there was nothing else happening there. Like you said, there was no chance of anything else going on. They weren't gonna throw a pass at that formation. You know, if they have a wide receiver out wide, put one guy on him in man coverage, hope he could, could stay with him and then just put all the other ten guys in the box. I agree with you there. Um but yeah, just in terms of that defensive line, I, I think it's clear at this point in the year your your best defensive ends so far have been far and away JT Tunelow and, and Zach Harrison. I think both of those guys have played tremendous all year. You know, JT Tunelow was out here coming for a Thorpe Award with another you know near pick in this game with a pass breakup. Um, but yeah, those guys have been excellent. I, I really I would have liked to see more. From Jack Sawyer this year. I don't know if it's because he's playing the jack position. Maybe he's doing more than what shows up in the stat sheet or that shows up, you know, kind of on the screen. Maybe he's doing the work of what, a, you know, kind of like a good corner would do where you don't see them a bunch. But I feel like we haven't really seen much of anything from Sawyer this year. So I'd like to see him maybe used a bit differently, maybe bring him on more, you know, blitzes or use him as a true defensive end more because I feel like he's just not being utilized as good as he can as a, as a former five star prospect. Um, And then, yeah, in the middle, I think all the defensive tackles have played well, but you know, guys like Tyreek Williams and Mike Hall have really stood out. And I did say, you know, Teron Vincent did have a really good game in this one, and I think having him in as sort of a big body against the run made a ton of sense, but I would still like to see those other guys, you know, get more snaps, and I would like to see you have your best players on the field at the biggest moments. You know, no disrespect to guys like Javante Jean-Baptiste, but he should not be on the field over JT Tumaloa on a critical third or fourth down with the game still in the balance. And I know that Ohio State probably didn't at any point think they were going to lose this football game, but you can't... Be doing that sort of thing against a team that could go down the field and beat you, and so I would like to see kind of the rotations get get thinned up there, and then yeah, like I said, just you know the cornerback play has sort of been an issue all year. I'm I'm very highly questioning at this point Tim Walton's ability to coach that position. Um, I don't think really any guy has played particularly well there. They were without Cam Brown once again for what feels like you know the the sixth or seventh game already this year, um, but. Without him out there, it's been it's been tough to find bodies. Denzel Burke has, has struggled on and off. I think he's been better in the second half of the year, but still nothing spectacular. Like I said, J.K. Johnson has really struggled. Um, didn't notice if Jair Brown really did a ton in this game. He was credited with a pass breakup in in you know relief of J.K. Johnson. Still haven't seen much of Jordan Hancock. Haven't really seen much of any other guys out there. So I don't know. That's that's concerning to me. Like I said, Ohio State probably won't play a heavy passing team the rest of the year unless they make the College Football Playoff. But it's still a position where you can't afford to be pretty lackluster, and I, I just haven't seen really anything from Ohio State's corners. At least at all the other positions, we have seen flashes of really good plays. We haven't seen anything from Ohio State's corners. Does an Ohio State cornerback have an, have an interception this year? I don't think they do.
1: Um, Well, we I'm know Denzel Burke does not. Um, Tanner McAllister has to be considered a safety, even though I know he plays that nickel position a lot. I, I, I don't think so. If they have, I can't remember one.
0: Yeah, and so, like, uh, obviously, you know, uh, interceptions aren't everything from a corner, but... These guys aren't doing a whole lot. We, we've talked about their issues previously You know, against some of the better passing offenses that they have played where they weren't playing the ball well in the air. But now it seems like even the, the coverage part of cornerback of is an issue. So I don't know what's really going on there. I don't know how much to take of it in this game. This wasn't, you know, obviously, like I said, this was a game where you were trying to, 95% of your defensive effort was going against stopping the run because of the team you were playing in the conditions you were playing it. But I don't know if we're talking about just grand scheme of things. Like I said, pretty much everything this season has been leading up to just what this team could do against Michigan. I, I think this defense is playing well. I think they've been stopping the run okay. I think they will need to be a bit tougher up front. I don't know if these guys were, especially early on, 100% locked in. Much like the offense, it's it's tough to get up for a game against Northwestern in these kind of conditions, especially coming off of a big you know, emotional win over Penn State, two straight road games. I get it. Like There's, there's external factors here that could have led to a lackluster performance across the board, but I just think if this is a team that has aspirations of making the college football playoff, I think they do need to play better on both sides of the ball. I think the defense was okay. It could be better, but I I think, you know, like we talked about, the offense just simply wasn't good enough in this game, and hopefully they figure things out moving forward.
1: Here's where I'm going to be somewhat critical of Ryan Day, because you brought up preparation. By and large, I think that Ryan Day gets Ohio State up ready to go. I think he's a tremendous, tremendous coach. Do not get me wrong, but We have seen them come out flat one too many times, in my opinion. Um, You can go back to Michigan last year. You can even look at the Rose Bowl. You know, it took infinity yards from the offense against that Utah team that was undermanned, in in my opinion. Um, Not a great first half against Penn State. Not a great four quarters against Northwestern. And I don't want to blow too much smoke up the derriere of a guy like Nick Saban Saban, but you typically don't see that from an Alabama team. You know, if they're supposed to beat a team by 40, they do a lot of the times. Um, and, and if they don't, then, you know, maybe they commit some turnovers or, or do something like that. But a, a guy like Nick Saban, that's why I respect the heck out of him. He gets his guys ready to go week in and week out. And I'm not saying that Ryan day doesn't, but on occasion, Maybe you can put it on the players. I don't know. Um, I'm just guessing. I'm kind of talking out loud here, thinking out loud. But the flatness concerns me um, because you're going to come up against a team. We saw it last year that is able to match you, maybe exceed your level of intensity. And if you get down, you're not going to be able to lean on that offense each and every time to put up 40, 50 points in a comeback victory like we saw against Utah. So that is something that I would like to see Ohio State come out again. We saw it earlier in the year and have a 21-point first quarter, have a 28-point first quarter, something like that, because they need to throw the the first big haymaker and they're on their heels too often for my liking. So that's something that I did want to touch on. And I also wanted to give Kudos to the safeties. You brought them up before we kind of put some finishing touches on this. Ronnie Hickman, Lathan Ransom, great in run support. Now, they couldn't really be great in pass defense, but it's promising to see that compared to what we saw last year. These Ohio State safeties, you said it, have played really well this year. You know, a couple big plays against Penn State, a couple missed assignments, blown assignments, whatever it was, missed tackles, but by and large, Those guys have played really well. Ronnie Hickman had 100 tackles last year. He's not putting up those same stats, but he's doing what he needs to do. He's where he's supposed to be on the field. Latham Ransom, great in run support, really good athlete, more so than Josh Proctor. I think we can agree at this point. So kudos to those guys and Tommy Eichenberg because those three were the leaders. Um, And Zach Harrison, too, but he couldn't do a whole lot in this game. Same thing with JT2 and Malau. We know they've played well in the past. But for me, it was about Eichenberg, Hickman, and Ransom, those guys coming up, supporting the run because they knew what Northwestern was going to do, and they did enough to hold them to seven points. And I also wanted to touch on Northwestern's offense real quickly, too. I would be fine if I never had to sit through another Northwestern football game again in my life. We talked about it during the, the preview podcast. We didn't give Northwestern much of a chance. They kept it within 14. Okay, fine. But I don't think they kept it within 14 as much as Ohio State let them stay in it. I, I get that the the Wildcats are offensively challenged, and Evan Hall is their best player by a mile. But you're talking about a guy with 45 receptions on the year coming into this game. I think he had one reception. So they weren't creative either. And they tried the Wildcat. They put up 200 yards rushing. But with that offense in particular, it it seemed like the whole entire game plan was play dead. Hope the big bad monster doesn't put an end to you and just keep from getting embarrassed. Like I said, if you've got Cam Porter back there in the Wildcat, throw a jump pass. You know, let him throw the ball, do some misdirection, something like that. And I know the... The weather was challenging, but Northwestern, in my opinion, did not put up much of a fight on offense so much as they, you know, put their arms up, ducked their head and just tried to avoid getting their ass kicked, frankly. And so I am not—I don't know where I'm at with Pat Fitzgerald as a coach. You can look at the end result and say that they kept it close, but you've got to give me something, maybe blame it on the offensive coordinator, something like that. But I just, in a game like this, I know they took a couple of chances. I think they should have taken more if they had any hopes of pulling off the upset. And I know that's difficult to say, you know, with as close as they did keep it, but such a brutal thing to watch that Northwestern offense. And again, I know they're challenged, but um, you can't win a lot of football games, by trying not to get beat. You know what I mean, Gene? And so they're looking at one and eight now, and there are no moral victories, in my opinion, in any sport, especially college football. So you're one and eight. Um, And and so I've got a lot of questions there, but I know that's sort of going off on a tangent, somewhat unrelated to what we've covered throughout the podcast. But what did you think real quickly of their game plan, their, their plan in general to try and keep this game close?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, this is a team already that likes to run the football a ton, and with the weather, you knew they were going to come out and try that. They had a, a couple of things working early on. You know, the, the QB runs, um, QB options were working a little bit with with Sullivan. Um, like you said, Evan Hull was, was pretty much their only source of offense, 30 carries for 122 yards and a touchdown. He had the long um, 17-yard run. That was that was his longest of the day, the longest – or actually, the there was Cam Ward at a 19-yarder for their longest, you know, play of the day. But I thought they had – some success throwing the football, and then they didn't really look to go back to it. You know, Sullivan didn't do... A ton offensively, he only threw for seventy nine yards, but he completed ten of fourteen passes, so he was efficient when he threw the ball. And they were kind of playing the way you know when they looked to pass it, they were doing the things that Ohio State should have done. They were throwing the short passes, the little the little quick curls, a yeah. little quick over the middle stuff, stuff that Ohio State should have been doing, and it was it was working pretty well because you know especially as the game went on, Ohio State was selling out to stop the run, and then a couple of the you know there was a couple of plays there on, on third and long that they picked up some yards throwing the ball. So I thought that they could have at least tried a bit harder. And yeah, like you said, there's. A lot of times when teams play against Ohio State, they're they make the mistake of, of trying too hard to, like you said, not lose. They're not trying to go out and win. I thought Northwestern had, you know, they had their opportunities to win this game. It was 7-7 at halftime. They they they, they, they had more than their opportunity to to come out and, you know, put up points on this team that wasn't scoring and perhaps win the football game. And they just really never tried it. They just kept running out the Wildcat, kept running it, you know, either left or right out of the Wildcat. That was their only offensive plays, and it, it just didn't really do anything. Ohio State started stuffing it up the middle. They kind of got worn down as the game went on, and that was just sort of it. They never really— Outside after they scored, they never really even threatened to score again. I mean, I don't think they passed really the forty or the fifty yard line and a couple of their plays, even when they went for it on fourth down, like they just they didn't do anything creative. It was like fourth and one a couple of times and they just ran up the middle and Ohio State was ready for it because that's what everyone expected them to do. You know, if they would have kind of thrown a little play action pass over the middle, they might have got some going or even like a, a toss to the outside might have worked a little bit better. But yeah, just a complete lack of creativity in this game by Northwestern. I'm sure Ohio State won't complain about it because it was much easier to defend. But it did look like they could have tried at least a couple more things that worked or at least gone back to some things that were working early on that they just seemingly had no interest in doing in the second half so odd game plan for sure i know the weather impacted both these teams like we keep saying but just not it wasn't a fun football game to watch at the end of the day i don't think anybody's fan base had fun obviously northwestern's fans had even less fun as they are now you know what is it one and eight on the year after winning their first game of the season so legitimate chance they win their first game and then not a single one for the rest of the year not something you'd want to do but yeah just a a tough football game to watch and one that i think josh we should just kind of bury and never speak of again
1: that's fair. I'm uh, with you. It's not a whole lot of fun. And maybe I'm being too difficult on Northwestern. They, Like I said, they did keep it close and they, they found some things that worked. But for me, when you're one in seven, you leave it all out the field, leave it all out on the field. And that's what I think they failed to do is they, they didn't take the chances that I I think were available to them. And I'm certainly glad for that. But try some more play action. Try something down the field when you do have the wind at your back. It was more just, hey, you know, don't get that black eye. Don't get your butt kicked. And let's try and get out of here. But you typically want to do that when you're on top, not behind. If I'm one in seven and I've got nothing to lose, I'm trying reverses, double passes. I'll throw it out of the wildcat. I'll pull off a fake. I'll do any of those things to try and put some points in, on the board. And that is what I'm calling out from Northwestern is they didn't take enough chances when they they had an opportunity to, you know, if you're down 38, those things don't matter. But with when you're within a score or two scores, try something. So um, that's the thing that I wanted to bring up. But I'm with you. We're 49 minutes into this, and I don't feel any better. (laughs) I I just want to go watch a better football game and maybe move past it, and I think you're right there with me, Gene.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, hopefully – this was more of a weather thing than a team thing. Hopefully, the Ohio State kind of looks at this film and, and like kind of just you know they go through it once, they talk about what they needed to needed to fix, and then just burn the film and move forward. Um, like you said, there's been a couple of now slow first halves for Ohio State. We'd like to see them actually come out with a game plan that works and maybe switch it if it isn't instead of waiting until have time to make those adjustments. But hopefully, this kind of thing doesn't happen again against Indiana next week. Um, we will talk about that game later on in the week here on Hangout in the Holy Land. But that'll be it from us for a you know a twenty-one. Gene, I want to say yeah. one
1: more thing. I do yep. want to say one more thing, though, and I didn't want to end it without this. It is really, really difficult to win 11 or 12 games every single year in college football. So we can sit here and, and piss and moan. And I think we've both done that fairly so because it was a disappointing performance. But at the end of the day, you're 9-0 and with a chance to go 10-0. and So that's just the standard that Ohio State fans have. I think the players have it. I think Ryan Day has it, too. We're allowed to be frustrated, but at the, end of, at the end of the day, to win every single game you play, it's a very difficult thing to do. So as fans and everyone else, we get to move past this game with an undefeated football team, and I am certainly happy about that.
0: Oh, we are def. We definitely look at Ohio State football games through scarlet colored glasses. You know, I go into work. I have a couple of people at my job that that are from various Big Ten schools. I have a couple of Penn State, Rutgers, Michigan State fans in my office. And I come in complaining about something Ohio State does, and everyone just looks at me and goes, "Oh yeah, it must be so tough being undefeated and being <laughs> number two in the country." And it's like, "Yeah, we we get no sympathy, but we are, you know, there's some legitimate concerns here. This is a team where you know you go into the season expecting to win a national title. Not many teams come into a year with those kind of expectations. But yeah, like you said, it is still at the end of the day hard to win games in college football, and to be you know sitting here nine and zero with still everything on the table in front of them—a Big Ten championship, a College football Playoff berth, a national championship—all still on the table for. Ohio State that at the end of the day is the most important thing so hopefully they they, they improve from these things and move forward but yeah I, I 100% agree with you we are not getting um any sympathy from fans of other teams you know Northwestern fans on their podcast are not talking about you know oh man you know it's it's you know there's some things to clean up but it's it's good being you know one and not, one and eight um it's it's a different world being an Ohio State fan I think we're we're a little bit uh jaded by what we have out there year in and year out
1: yeah and that's all I wanted to bring up um n- nothing else to add Only things to take away from this game, and I hope that Ohio State does the same thing, gets this thing rolling again like we know that they can do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as you know, we, we get ready to wrap up here, probably watch the rest of this, what should be a pretty good day of college football. I'm looking at a Georgia here up 14-3 to three on the goal line again against Tennessee. So perhaps a uh, the number one team is, is in some trouble here as well. So not, not only is Ohio State struggling. I mean, granted, you know, Georgia-Tennessee, a little bit better of an opponent than Ohio State played against Northwestern. But nonetheless, um, it's just showing how even if you're a number one team in the country, it isn't always easy to win football games. But... That being said, uh, we will get out of here now. Uh, like I said earlier, we will be back sometime this uh, early this week to preview the Indiana game this upcoming weekend. Uh, be sure to check out all of our written content over at LandGrantHoyland.com. We will have all of our post-game stuff from this Northwestern game as well as pre-game stuff leading into that Indiana game. Um, be sure to like, rate, view, subscribe, all the good stuff all the podcasts ask you to do. And for Josh Julie, I am Gene Ross, and as always, go Bucks.